Welcome to Crutchfield, the podcast. I am your host, JR. I'm the training manager here at Crutchfield. Uh, with me in studio today, uh, one of my cohorts in the training department, Eric. How you doing, Eric? Doing great. What do you like about working at Crutchfield? I love that day in and day out, we get to talk to customers about toys, the fun stuff. Absolutely. Crutchfield started with car audio mm-hmm. and expanded into home audio. We've expanded several times since then. We sell pro audio stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have vendors coming in, Sony, Kenwood, LG, Pioneer, anybody in here showing off their new stuff. So we get to hear it. We get to see it. We get to touch it, play with it, and experience it. And we've got how many employees now? 600-ish. Yeah, 600-ish. If you factor in the warehouses, the uh, the marketing, the accounting, the sales advisors, the, the tech support, stores, multiple them. call center locations here in Virginia, mm-hmm. and Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Quite a few, quite a few. <laughs> and that's not counting dogs. People are buying stuff all the time around here. Mm-hmm. And we thought, what better thing to talk about than what are our employees buying? They have access to thousands of the coolest products on the planet. What did they choose and why? And it's that why that's kind of the most important part of it. Because 600 employees here, everybody's situation is unique. 16,000 products. Is that where we're at now? 16,000? Ish. Ish. Precisely. Precisely. And we figured, let's find out why specific individuals are, are choosing the gear they are choosing. And mm-hmm. what is their situation? We always want to know about the application. What are you using it for? What kind of music are you playing? Who are you playing it for? How loud do you want it? We wanted to talk to our employees to find out what they're buying and why. And today, we're talking to Mac. Mac is a sales advisor. He's been at Crutchfield for a few years now, and uh, he got pretty excited at a vendor training for a particular brand of speakers and uh, all of the gear that goes with it to make it sound great. So, Eric, one of the reasons I wanted you here in studio with me today was- Is it so I can interrupt you? (laughs) Exactly. Nice. Absolutely, actually. We are going to listen to this interview with Mac, and you and me are going to absolutely interrupt it from time to time. We might add some context uh, to some, maybe explain some of the technologies that Mac is using at his home. And uh, I'll, I'll let Eric say a few words uh, from time to time. I appreciate that. The thing catching my eye right now in front of us is these beautiful floor-standing Wharfdale speakers. Exactly which model is that? They are the Wharfdale Diamond 230s. Wharfdale Diamond 230s. That's, that's the floor standing speaker. Yes. With the tweeter and then two woofers. Two six and a half inch yeah. uh, woofers. Um, so they would be a, what they would consider a two and a half way. Mm-hmm. They've got, they have a, a crossover built in. So it is a true mid range with the same size as the bass driver. Right. So um, they call it like a 2.5 way speaker, two and a half way. So it helps with kind of that that vocal clarity and everything. Sure. They pass the looks test as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I love how they look. My wife loves how they look. So that was a that was a big win. Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, I really love these things when Morfdale brought them through to uh, have us listen to them. So is that how you decided by by hearing them and seeing them in in our vendor training when Morfdale came to Crutchfield? Yes. Yeah. They they brought them through, and this speaker I believe was one of the exact ones they brought, and I. Uh, I was in love immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I had to be. I would have had to been talked off of something different. So uh, they they really really were impressive to me. How early in your Crutchfield career was that? Because people definitely have a tendency 
to buy the first set of speakers they hear in training because the, it's often the best speakers they've ever heard. Sure. Unless people come to Crutchfield with lots of experience listening to speakers, yeah. typically they don't. They come to Crutchfield and they start getting training on a regular basis and exposure to all these products. And the first set of four standing speakers are often the best things they've ever heard. And yeah. they just go buy them, which, you know, it's that's fine. Yeah. But you, it might be advisable to wait and hear a few more. Give yourself some options. Try some flavors. How, lo- how many how many, uh, how many many vendor trainings where you got to hear speakers did you experience before you heard these? I was probably 18 months in, so I probably had heard a pretty fair amount of speakers. So that's a prudent approach. A year or yeah. so of going to trainings and hearing a bunch of speakers. Yeah, and I wasn't in a rush. I had a pair of old, um, like, 70s-style floor-standing speakers that were mm-hmm. doing the job. So I wasn't in need of speakers, um, but... There, there came a time when it was it was time to upgrade, and these these kind of rose to the top. We're not in a huge room, so I think they made a lot of sense for the size of space we had. Yep. Um, I didn't necessarily want behemoths in the living room, but I did want something pretty substantial to give me some good full sound if I wanted it. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the room a little bit. Uh, hardwood yeah. floors. Yeah. Like you said, not huge, but I mean, it's not like you're in a cramped New York City apartment or something. For it's sure. a, it's a nice size living room. Yeah. And lots of hard surfaces. Did that play into your decision at all? Like, um, as opposed to like having a bunch of carpet that soaks up the sound? Yeah, a little bit. Um, these are really cool. They are bottom, so they have a, a port on the bottom. So I knew that the hardwood would really like that a little bit, give me a little bit extra bass response. Okay. Um, so it helped. It did a little bit. They're a pretty, uh, I would say they're not a very bright speaker. Mm-hmm. And so, because they've got a, a soft dome tweeter, um, just in general, kind of a warmer sound, I knew that all of the hard surfaces were really going to play well with that. Yeah, if it was super bright, you'd have all those reflections. It would almost be yeah. kind of harsh or, uh, you know, yeah. tiresome to listen to sometimes. Yeah, especially if with some volume, it could be, yeah. So, Max talked about the downward firing port on these speakers, which yeah. is it's a pretty cool technology. Yeah. It's and not unique to Wharfdale, but they execute it wonderfully. They, they absolutely do. So, there's two types of uh, speakers in an enclosure it's either ported or sealed. Mm-hmm. A sealed enclosure, acoustic suspension, the air on the inside of the box completely sealed off from the air outside. Mm-hmm ported bass reflex there is a hole somewhere in that box that allows bass to come out of it at a certain tuned frequency where you're going to get a lot more bass if the box is ported yep. the tune the, the port is tuned like a musical instrument would be exactly tuned. yep the question is always where to put the port some mm-hmm. companies put it on the back of the speaker some put it, put it on the front of the speaker yeah, and if you put it on the back though sometimes you run into issues being too close to the wall the proximity to the wall right, right. plays a big role you in put the it sound. in the front sometimes that bass comes out a, uh, a punchy kind of in your face a little be. too much sometimes mm-hmm. If you put it on the bottom, what happens is, is the bass comes out of the bottom of the woofer, of the bottom of the speaker cabinet, and hits the floor and sort of radiates out in all directions. Bass is already sort of an omnidirectional frequency, a band of frequencies, and firing it straight down into the floor it helps that even more, so that the bass is just sort of all-encompassing in your room. Right. But if you have a carpet or a super reflective surface, that sometimes can add or subtract from the sound in ways that aren't desirable. But a great great way to overcome that is with that plinth design. Exactly. So the hole fires out of the bottom of the speaker into Mm -hmm. a flat piece of wood or whatever it is they're using, probably particle board with a real wood veneer. Right. uh, That the the sound fires directly into that. So whether you're putting these speakers on carpet, hardwood floors, concrete, or any type of carpet, the sound could be dramatically different without that plinth. That equalizes 
things. And so in Mac's room with his hardwood floors, it, that's going to help keep it from being too boomy. And if he were to move that into a new house or something and go to a room with carpet, it's going to keep it from getting the losing all the base into his shag carpeting. Flexible. I'm is, pretty sure yeah. he's going to have shag carpeting <laughs> in his new house. <laughs> I can see that. So these uh, these Wharfdale Diamond 230s, what do you have powering them? That looks like a Cambridge Audio? That is. It's a Cambridge Audio. It's the Topaz SR20. Stereo Receiver 20. Stereo Receiver 20. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, how much power does that thing run? Do you remember? Um, it's rated at about 100 watts per channel RMS uh, per side. And that's Cambridge Audio power. That's so it, true Cambridge Audio power. That's yeah. uh, they don't they don't uh, embellish numbers at all over there. So that's a conservative rating, if anything. Yeah, they it, it's got some juice behind it. Um, uh, it's yeah, hundred watts is really I think where these speakers are happy at, and uh, it's got toroidal power supply, mm -hmm. so nice and clean. Um, it's a British company, so I really like that British tone. Yeah. I, play a little bit of guitar I like that Vox amplifier yeah. so um, I knew I would kind of like their stuff and uh, kind of took a little bit of a leap of faith but it paid off so Max Cambridge Audio Topaz SR20 has a toroidal power supply easy for you to say yes it is I've been saying it for years <laughs> not as easy for you <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What does it do? That helps the Cambridge Audio amplifier and anything that has a toroidal power supply provide consistent, clean, strong, high current power to all of the components inside that amplifier. There's some electronics in there. There's uh, there's some you know there's uh, there's processors, things like that, and of course there is an amplifier, and that amplifier needs consistent, high quality power. Uh, to do its job and to be able to handle low impedance speakers, to be able to handle extremely loud volumes, the dynamic range, the peaks that you want to hear. Uh, did uh, do we do we know what the difference is between peak and RMS power? Peak is a, a a number that typically is used in the industry to put a really big number on a box. Um, yeah. And uh, RMS is the actual number that we care about because it's more realistic when we're listening to music that that uh, the the RMS rating is what our speakers are going to see over the long run. So the continuous, continuous all day long right. sort of power. Exactly. What does RMS stand for? Do you remember? Root mean square. Root mean I square. I don't know why that has anything to do no. with music, but that's what it stands for. That's what for. the R, the M, right. and the S stand for. That's right. Uh, do you know the acronym also associated with peak power? The WLS power? No, I don't know if I've heard this one. So peak power is often also referred to scientifically in the community as WLS power. Okay. When lightning strikes. That's right. One frequency for one millisecond once. Right. That's <laughs> that's peak power. The, the, the amplifier's ability to... What is the absolute most amount of power it can right. do for, the, for any length of time? Right. Probably about one second. And it's not lying. The math no, they use is definitely... Mm, questionable but it, it's not a lie but at the but same time what we really care about RMS is what we when really matching about. a speaker to an amplifier is the rms power and when you see things like toroidal power supply uh which you had something to add on that well it does look like a donut it, and it does. it does add some weight i know in the past people used to go up to a piece of electron kind of pick it up yeah and good stuff was supposed to feel heavier right Absolutely. this is one of those bits and pieces that make things heavier it's a big heavy shows coil quality. of wire that's right it adds a lot of heft <laughs> that's right it does to a uh, high current amplifier and with yes. that with that toroidal power supply you get better rms power continuously it's always it always sounds good it's pretty clear why you went with the wharfdales yes how'd you decide on the cambridge 
A lot of reading. I obviously have these in front of me every day, so I know what kind of products are out there. But even I dug in, I, I probably researched for months before I made the, the, the decision on that. I knew I was going to like even things like the digital to analog converters that are built into it. I like that kind of warmer sound that they lean toward. Yep. Um, I knew I needed some power. So all those things, I wasn't really looking for features. Um, it doesn't have things like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, so it's a little bit more simplistic. But I knew I could add that on with other pieces. Yeah, there's plenty of other boxes that do Bluetooth yeah. and Wi-Fi. Yes. Putting those radio receivers and transmitters inside yes. the box responsible for power is a great way to introduce a little bit of noise, maybe yep. uh, maybe lose some of that precision. Sure. And uh, Cambridge really isn't uh, really isn't into uh, not sounding amazing. So exactly, you know, they 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 took out some of those things that can introduce noise. They make really smart decisions, like um, separating the power supply from the the preamp bit, like the preamp section, which are really sensitive to noise. And, and they just, I just think that they kind of over engineer a little bit, which. Yeah. In the on the uh, the product side makes a whole world of difference. So if that thing is not on the internet because it doesn't have Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or anything, how do you listen to music? Sure. Um, so I've got a little Bluetooth receiver mm -hmm. that is nice and simple. Um, it's a Harman Kardon the BTA ten. BTA ten. That's that is a faithful little guy right there. Yeah, I yeah. have one. I use it with my band's PA system. Yep. So if we want to play music during the breaks, that's how I do it. Yep. And that thing is just fantastic. Inexpensive. Um, it's just powers on automatically. I don't have to. It's always paired with my phone. It's really simple. Yeah. So if I'm putting on background noise and not really sitting down and, and really trying to get the details, little Bluetooth receiver is great for that. Yep. Um, I've also got a DTS. Uh, PlayFi piece. It's a, or a it's a definitive technology W Adapt. I believe is the name of that thing. That sounds right. Um, and it's for kind of more like Wi-Fi streaming and um, does can, can do uh, digital outputs and things like that directly into the camera. So it's an audio streamer. So DTS PlayFi uh, is a wireless multi-room audio system. There's a bunch of these systems out there. Mm -hmm. Sonos is one, uh, but you can get Heos from mm -hmm. Denon or Marantz. You can get Yamaha's Music Cast. That's right. And these are all very brand specific. You have to stay within a particular brand of products to to have a multi-room music system. So unlike those other brands, DTS PlayFi is available as a software piece in a lots of different brands of electronics. So mm -hmm. Klipsch uses them, and DefTech mm -hmm. here is using uh, DTS. PlayFi to make it uh, part of a wireless multi-room music system. So it, begin, it can be one zone in a bigger system. That's right. So if Mac, say, wanted to add a speakers in another room, if he went with another piece of electronics that is DTS PlayFi enabled, he can use the DTS PlayFi app on his phone and control the music in multiple rooms of his so house. He could have Spotify, the same station playing in his kitchen, at the same time playing next to his television here. So you're running analog audio cables yes. from the DefTech down to the Cambridge. Speaker wire over to the Wharfdales. Speaker wire over to the Wharfdales. That's a pretty simple two-channel music system with access to some pretty high-res, great-sounding music, as well as everything else. Yeah, and then we've got the TV running through it as well. So I even will Chromecast or you know YouTube or whatever from the TV sure. if there's something else I want. So I can get access to most anything I want to play through it. So um, for the TV connected to the Cambridge, is that optical? We're on optical. So yep. so then for anything playing on the TV, you are using 
Cambridge Audio's D to A converters. Correct. Yep. So that's got to sound pretty good. It does. It does. Yeah. And it looks like you have them. Uh, you have some support on the low end with a. Is that a powered sub over in the corner there? It is. Yeah. It's a little uh, definitive technology um, eight inch. Okay. Um, little powered sub. I actually just added. Um, really makes a difference when we're watching like movies or something. Kind of adds sure. a bit more. The more impact there. Do you turn the sub off when you're listening to just music? Are you like a purist when it comes to that? No, no, I, I keep it on at yeah. this point. It it's, doesn't do a whole lot, honestly. It, it's really there for if I were to maybe listening to some some hip hop tracks or mostly when the movies are coming on. A good solid floor standing speaker, a nice big one, can handle everything from the highest highs out of their tweeter all the way to the lowest lows on their woofer. But the trend has been to go a little smaller, a little more slim, and you don't always go as low in current and not in these Warfdale speakers as maybe as maybe the music might go. You might have deeper, lower notes when that kick drum hits on the drum set, bass guitar, Barry White, you know, things like that. Sure, sure. And so that's why Mac has added the subwoofer, is to just fill in the lowest of the low, just those the, the deepest bass that his Wharfdales can't quite hit as with it, with the impact that you can with a sub. Uh, and he's gone with definitive technology, mm-hmm. uh, and Eric knows a little bit about Def Tech. Tell us about sure. that sub. Yeah, so that particular sub uh, that he has uses an 8-inch driver, which he mentioned, but also uses a, a cool technology called a passive radiator. And it basically makes a subwoofer act bigger than it is. So by acting bigger, it helps it achieve a lower frequency response. So that particular sub is rated down to 20 hertz, which happens to be where we as humans typically That's stop the being able to hear. The lowest frequency we notes. can hear. Right. So by complementing his speaker with that sub um, he's adding uh, just a few notes in there that he wouldn't otherwise get and I tell you I, I've done an experiment before when people uh, you know were going from tower speakers uh, adding a sub and not having a sub on there and at first you don't hear a huge difference then I play the sub and they say okay all right I, I'm getting a little bit extra warmth there maybe a little bit more impact but then I go in the middle of the song and remove the sub and it feels like the air was let out of something the room. Is, something is missing. Yeah, exactly. So um, I suspect in that system that by adding just that little bit of frequency range, he's actually getting uh, a, a good deal more warmth and uh, in fullness uh, overall in that. So even with the tower speaker, which is definitely considered a full range speaker, it still adds the, that bottom uh, that bottom impact and warmth. And he feels like it's the sub's not doing much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because he went with the right sub for those speakers. They blend together really well. They work together as a system. That's right. It doesn't, uh, I don't see any surround sound speakers here. Nope. I don't even see a center channel speaker here. How can you possibly watch TVs and movies without actually having a surround sound system? This is just a 2.1 stereo system. How can you, how can you do that? 2.1. Um, <laughs> the, the Sony TV does the hard work in that regard. It, it down mixes any surround sound signal. Mm-hmm. Just two channels down to the Cambridge. And so it's taking what would normally be in that center channel and splitting it out to left and right. And yep. that way I'm still making sure I'm getting that dialogue nice and clear. Um, granted, if we were doing, if we wanted that true home theater, we would start to add in center channels and things. But um, quite honestly, it's, it's a show or two every now and again. We're not doing a whole lot of big movie watching and stuff. So right. this works out great for us. 
Plus, you'd have to have put those wires somewhere, and hardwood. You have to put some carpets in or something to hide those we wires. We need to do something with it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe a three-channel down the road, a little center channel, but that would probably be the uh, uh, that'd be the stopping place for for a little while at least. Gotcha. And you, uh, Game of Thrones parties or what? Did you host uh, a bunch of people coming over to we watch? Had, we had a couple, maybe half a dozen people that would come over and watch. What so. kind of comments did they give you on the on the audio and video performance of your system? If you recall, there was an episode where everybody complained how dark the episode was. I remember it. We didn't have that problem at all. Really? The Sony was nice and clean for that. Yeah, so you went into that episode not knowing that. No. You also went into that episode with your TV dialed into the way you like it. So you've probably gone into the settings and stuff on the TV to kind of tailor it to your room, your brightness levels. Yes. How did you talk about that at all? Did you did you go did you watch a video to figure out how to do that or did you just adjust the settings until you were happy? How did that work for you? Yeah, I just put on some familiar stuff and adjusted it to the way I liked it. I didn't I didn't watch a video or go into any specs or anything. So it, it may not be perfect, but it looks good to me. Um, so were you surprised like the next day when everybody's talking <laughs> about how horrible that episode looked and you I was, yeah. Um we we didn't have an issue. I watched it again later. We always rewatched the episode, and I watched it again later. Didn't after knowing that people were saying that I didn't have a problem. So hey, if you want a TV that looks good, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> this is fun, man. This is a pretty awesome system and super simple. Yeah, just looking at it, uh, it's elegant. I mean, it looks if it sounds as good as it looks, it's got to sound amazing. Thank you. It does. I think it it sounds pretty awesome. So, interviewing Mac at his home was way cool. Uh, way better than hanging out here at headquarters. Kind of nice to get out in the field, get to a house, see an actual stereo system set up, and in the environment where it's used, that's where we got to talk about it. It was pretty cool. I bet it was. On crutchfield.com, we have an article called The Stereo Receiver Buying Guide. And on our articles, we receive real questions from real people. We do try to answer them right there on the page, but I figured we'd take one of those questions and answer it here so we can help you in case you're thinking, what stereo receiver should I get? This might be helpful to you as well. This question comes from Randy. Randy has an older RS-201 from Yamaha. That's a Yamaha stereo receiver, the RS-201. He bought it a few years ago, at, and it's for his beach place. And Randy says he's driving Pandora tunes through it to a built-in set of 30-year-old speakers inside plus a set of outdoor speakers. And what I'd take from that is that he's got a set of speakers that came with the house, built into the wall of the house. That's why they're still there since he bought this place from whoever he bought it from. And there is a pair of speakers outdoors as well. So he's got two pairs of speakers he wants to drive. Line one and two have stopped on me with only FM audio output. Now, I take that to mean that the inputs on that RS-201 labeled line one and line two aren't working anymore for whatever reason. We don't really know why. The only thing Randy can listen to is FM radio. He wants to know. uh, He's considering a new one. Should a mismatch of speakers be a problem? Will the combination of in-wall speakers inside outdoor speakers outside will that clearly different speakers will that be a problem 
for the new RS202, Yamaha's newer version of that same receiver. Uh, and will the RS202 be more reliable or do you have other recommendations? So Randy's idea of replacing the old Yamaha RS201 with an RS202 will certainly fix his line input problems, right? Yeah, yeah. and if he was happy with the sound that he had before, that sound quality due to the power should be read in the same line. So Yeah, and the idea choice. of mixing and matching or using it with yeah. two very different speakers shouldn't be a problem. Not a problem. At That's all. not what failed on the 201 no, anyway. I do have a suggestion. If, uh, Randy, if you're streaming Pandora, that tells me you probably have internet at your house and that you like to listen to music from the internet. So one of the things you might consider is the RN303 from Yamaha. It's about the same amount of power, so you're not going to be losing anything there. However, you will gain internet connectivity. It is networkable through Wi-Fi or a wired connection. You'll be able to stream Pandora using Wi-Fi instead of sending it to your receiver via Bluetooth mm -hmm. or via an aux cable from the headphone jack, which your new phone may not have anyway. That way he doesn't have to worry about going out of Bluetooth range when he goes out on the deck to enjoy the sunset. Exactly. So that about does it for this week's episode. Uh, many thanks to you, Eric, for joining me in studio today to give us some insights. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Also, thank you to Mac for inviting me into his home. I'm your host, JR. If you have questions about what might be the right system for you, if you're looking for a stereo receiver, speakers, D to A converters, TVs, uh, drones, cameras, literally anything, uh, go to crutchfield.com. Uh, in fact, you can get more information on the podcast at crutchfield.com slash podcast. And of course, uh, right there, you can submit questions. We might answer them here on the podcast. But if you have something a little bit more urgent, give us a call. Phone number is right there on the website. You can chat with us online. You can send us an email. We got advisors available seven days a week, ready to help you figure this stuff out. Thanks so much for listening to Crutchfield, the podcast. Crutchfield.